Good morning. Welcome to Simply Remarkable. Can you believe it's the end of the year? And this is our last show of 2023. I'm so excited because we started this show for you. We wanted to showcase the talent that we represent and book at Remarkable, a speaker's bureau, so that you could see and get to know them personally as we do. How exciting. And it has been a wonderful, wonderful year. So we just want to celebrate today, the new year coming. Oh, yes, we're in a celebrating mood because we have a wonderful time ahead of us. That goes by quickly. So let me just welcome you here to our active chat line. Those who are joining us this morning from all over because we're on multi-streaming. So we have different channels that are all over. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments, your shout outs, anything. We'd love to hear from you. We love to engage. That's who we are. We want to engage with you. So just let us know where you're coming from and give us a shout out. Now, today I am honored to welcome our newest member of Remarkable A Speakers Bureau. This has been an exciting journey. And I have my guest, Joe Roberts. Now, he's known as the Skid Row CEO. He's an international award-winning expert on resilience and change. And he's experienced all kinds of catastrophic failures as well as extraordinary success. Don't we want to hear all that? Oh, yeah. Now, he teaches us to overcome the roadblocks that get in the way of high performance. Now, I'm ready for that. I don't know about you. Yes, we are. And he helps companies and individuals redefine what's truly possible. What's truly possible by confronting our limiting mindsets. And the most amazing and remarkable thing about Joe is that 34 years ago, he was living on the streets of Vancouver as a homeless and an addict through perseverance, determination, and his resilient human spirit. He pulled himself out of that darkness and despair to become the CEO of his business and a community leader 12 years later. Now, I can't wait to hear how all this works for all of us because we've all been in different situations and he can show us how that we can overcome those. Let's welcome Joe Roberts to our show. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Sue. So great to be on the program. What a great way to head into 2024. I'm ready. Our word of the year is soar in 2024, and you're the one that's going to lead us into that today. We're just so excited about that. Now, where are you coming to? Where are you at right now? Coming to today, us? Yeah, today, uh, uh, my, my wife and I, Marie, who we both work in the business together, we live in White Rock, British Columbia, so just south of uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. So we're right oh, on the U.S.-Canadian border, and uh yeah, we're just finishing up our our, uh, our Christmas with family and stuff, and in that flex week. But we're we're uh, we're really excited about what's what's ahead. You know, with so much change going on in the world today, I find more and more 
we're getting reached out to by different conferences, associations, government agencies saying, hey, Joe, can you help lead our people forward? Uh, we want to hear an authentic story. Can you talk about mental health? Can you talk about change? Can you talk about resilience? And uh, I love nothing more in the world than to, to get up in front of a group of people and, and point them to the thing that they've always had in their pocket, which is possibility. Exactly. Now, we've heard that a lot, but let me just tell you, this is a different slant and you're going to really enjoy this. So this 30 minutes goes by so fast, Joe. So we're just going to jump in. And Joe, tell us, where did you grow up and who was the greatest influence in your life? So I grew up in a, a tiny little place called Midland, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half north of Toronto. And for the first eight years of my life, things were perfect. Dad that worked at the seatbelt factory, mom worked at the radio station, and I had an older brother, younger sister. But tragedy struck our family, and my dad passed away young uh, at 35 years old. I was eight. And what happened was that's what sort of sent our family on a, a trajectory. We didn't properly deal with the grief. Um, and the, the man who my mom would, would soon, re, you know, soon, soon would remarry due to, you know, financial constraints and stuff. Um, he wasn't anything like my dad. He was a, a violent, abusive alcoholic. So at a, at a really young age, I had this early childhood trauma when the opportunity, uh, presented itself. Um, you know, I started to make some poor choices, but I'd say to answer your question, one of the, one of the people that really had an impact on my life, Sue, was Terry Fox. Terry Fox is a Canadian with, with one leg who, who made an attempt to run across Canada to eradicate, uh, uh cancer. And what I loved about Terry is he embodied courage, determination, resilience. Um, and when I was 13, I actually met him when he ran through, uh, the town of Barrie. And there was just something about the impact that, that Terry had on, on my life. Now, when I got a little older, uh, it's funny, there was a lot of speakers that had an impact on me. Charlie Tremendous Jones, Emmett Stone, um, uh, 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 Dale, Dale Carnegie, um, you know, the, the book, uh, uh, um, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. There was uh, Robert Schuller. There was you know, there was all all those uh, speakers from the 60s, 70s and 80s that, that had an impact. But I have to say Terry Fox was was definitely a huge impact for me when I was a kid. Wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. Now, we know that you ended up being homeless and an addict on the street at a young age, fairly young. How, how did you decide to, that, that was a poor choice? Yes. But how did you make that choice and get into that? Well, I think that it's it's a trajectory that no one embarks on. Like when you think about the last couple of years, no one like life lifed us. So dad died. Stepdad was a violent, abusive alcoholic. I went from a father who said, I love you. You can be anything to a man who said, you're stupid. You're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. And so, you know, I had all of this stuff going on. In, at home, and when the opportunity presented itself to escape, to alter those those scary feelings and emotions, I, I chose to join my brother and his older friends and use drugs. That set me on this, you know, 15-year trajectory. So you mean so? So by the time I was 15, 16, I was rebellious. I was getting in trouble at school. At, at 15, I got kicked out of the house. At 16, I got kicked out of school. At 17, I started getting in trouble in the community. By the time I was 17, 18, I was a kid pushing a shopping cart around the inner city. So 
the the way I explain it when I do a keynote on on uh, on change or on mental health is like, look, I didn't ask for any of that, but all of a sudden I found myself in an environment that was really kind of scary, and I used what what was available to me to alter my emotional state. So if you think about the last couple of years, what we've all been through. You know, change, uncertainty, divisiveness in politics, inflation, gas prices, economic uh, instability, environmental instability. Um, just, just a, a, just so much change. You, you may never know what it feels like to actually be homeless, but you know what it feels like to go to bed at night um, with 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 problems that don't have solutions, and I have to wake up the next morning and somehow, you know, move the ball forward. COVID. Played, played a huge number on us. And, and although, you know, it's, you know, we, we kind of quote unquote, we're through that, but are we? I think the emotional impact of that is still, it's still having an effect on, on, on individuals, peoples and organizations. So I found myself using a particular thing to alter my emotional state because that's what human beings do when they feel uncertainty. You have to think about, I don't know what you engaged in or what some of the, some of our listeners engaged in when they, when they went through that, that first, quarter or two of COVID. People eat more, they drink more, they do anything to sort of alter that emotional state, scroll more on social media. You know, some of us may, might have a healthier habit like exercise or, or, or journaling or meditation. But so I found myself, you know, making poor choices and poor choices. And by the time I was in my, you know, early 20s, I was that kid pushing a shopping cart around the downtown east side of Vancouver. But the good news is, is that there was some, there was people in my corner who still saw a possibility of me, right? When it was really difficult to see, they still saw my potential. And if it wasn't for that, I, I don't know if I would have sort of made it out of that really rough period in time. And so when I'm talking to audiences about mental health or I'm talking to audiences about leadership, there is a tremendous opportunity for us to work with people and possibility, support the person, challenge the behavior and and speak possibility. And, and see, this is what great coaches and great parents and great leaders do is they extract the best out of people. They see beyond the struggle and challenges that they may be facing today and they see that championship in their heart. And, and work to sort of bring that to the surface. If, you know, if, if I got a room of a thousand people, every single one of those people in the room have had somebody who's invested in their possibility to get them to who they are and where they are today, to give them the mastery they have in whatever skill or, or, or uh, the thing that they do well in the world. And I think that one of the, the greatest things that we can do as parents, as community leaders, as managers, as, you know, is is to is to invest, yeah, in that possibility. And that is so true because it takes investment in others to make everything work. And was there someone special that introduced you in to the believing the belief of possibility? Was there someone special that did that? Well, there's there's a whole host of, of folks. You know, one of the things when you read my bio, it sounds like I'm I'm all that in a bag of chips. So the truth is, I'm just lucky. I'm I'm the byproduct of over ten thousand people who who were there. But there was one 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 uh, story I love to tell. I was on a park bench uh, on one of my worst days ever in downtown Vancouver, 
And I happened to sit down beside this man. His name was Gus. And he was an older man. And he had these beautiful blue eyes that were filled with empathy and compassion. And I remember he looked at me and he said, you know, Joe, he says, there's more to you than you can see. He says, if you were able to deal with, you know, your homelessness and, and your substance use disorder and your addiction stuff, he says, you could go out in the world and you could do something amazing with your life. What was sitting in front of him at that moment was a man with dirty black fingernails, scruffy beard, hair that hadn't been combed in a year, a shopping cart with all my belongings. But he looked past how I was presenting. And he spoke to my potential. And it was a, one of the first times in my life someone other than my mom or my daddy spoke to my potential. And he was right. Because shortly thereafter, I, I got a second chance. My mom supported me, brought me back to Ontario. I entered into a, a drug and alcohol treatment facility that led to college. Four years later, I walked across the stage and graduated college with honors. I went out to the business community. And uh, in less than 12 years, I went from that kid on that park bench um, to being a celebrated entrepreneur. I was the, the Canadian version of the American dream. You know, the, the tragedy of life isn't that it ends too soon. It's that we wait too long to begin it because of fear, because of stories, because of stuff that gets in our way. But when we get in there and we tinker about with those roadblocks and have the courage to lean into some of these things that maybe we're a little afraid of and get outside of our comfort zone, that's when we discover, wow, I always had this gift. I always had this talent. So I think the greatest thing that's impacting work culture and our world today is fear. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it wasn't comfortable going through those changes. But yeah. being on the other side now, when I look at someone who's who's having a challenge, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a solution to that. But I also know that you got to get up off that couch and take a couple steps forward in order for you to discover it. Nobody can do that for you but you. I can cheer you on, but you got to put the shoes on. Exactly. Exactly. And you're right. I think fear is fear of change, fear of anything that you can think about. I mean, that's that's what steps in that self-doubt. So thank you for sharing that, because that's key. And everybody faces it no matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter. And that's how you can relate. And I'm excited about that we can present you to relate to almost any audience. I mean, because those are common, common grounds for everything. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for telling us about Gus. Did you ever follow up with Gus? No, you know, and it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece because every single one of us has been touched by, you know, maybe a half a dozen people who've had a real impact in our lives. And when I workshop this with folks, I'll say, okay, write the people. Sometimes it's mom and dad. Those are obvious, but sometimes it's not. It's music teacher, it's football coach, it's first mentor, first boss. It's easy for us to identify those five, six people who had an impact on our lives. It's a little bit. Then, then I say to them, whose list do you think you're on? And that's when the room kind of goes, because we don't think about the impact that we have. And, and how our DNA and leadership is on, on other people. I never got a chance to go back and, and, and thank us. Now, here's the interesting thing. He spent seven minutes with me. You know, how many teachers have seven-minute interactions? Nurses have seven-minute interactions. Parole officers have seven-minute interactions. Police officers have seven-minute interactions. 
Salespeople have seven minute interactions, managers, leaders, parents, you know? So it's like, we don't know the impact of our possibility on, on folks. The other thing too is, is that, you know, for me, it wasn't just about speaking possibility. It was about connecting me to a sense of pur purpose and passion. Right. It's, it's so it's like my first sales manager said, you know, what I loved about Joe was he was hungry. And I was in the beginning, I was, I was real hungry to put some distance between me and, and my past. So I put my nose to the grindstone and I worked really hard. And he said, I hired Joe because he was hungry and you can't teach hungry. You can teach hungry though. You can, when you connect people into purpose and passion, this is when the, that nuclear reaction for energy, their enthusiasm goes up. The roadblocks seem to, to diminish. And all of a sudden they find this gear in life that they, they never they never knew they had. So one of the things that when I talk to young people or when I talk to managers or leaders, is like, do you know what floats your people's boat? Like, do you know what it what's what is their currency? Yeah, they're coming to work because you're paying them, but what's what what's the bigger sense of their why? What do they love? If you were to ask them to write a paragraph, yeah, about what it means to do the job that they do, what is that? See, if you can dial into that stuff, all of a sudden now you're now you're beginning to 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 get people's productivity and, and get them to, to launch into the stratosphere. And that's what happens sort of in the, the second part of uh, you know, after after business success, my you know, my pay it forward project in. And uh, it was it was really all about tapping into to, pa to passion and purpose. Exactly. And that's coming up because this was amazing how you could be successful and then decide, OK, how do I give it back? How do I, you know, um, pay it back? And you decided to take a 17 month walk <laughs> across Canada to help homeless youth. But how did that 17 months change your life? Yeah, it was it was remarkable. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s. Most, you know, most most fellas, when they're in their mid 40s and they have a midlife crisis, they go and get a Corvette. But not me. I decided that I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, to, I wanted to do something absolutely extraordinary. Again, inspired by the legacy of of some of Terry Fox. I decided um, I wanted to pay. I wanted to do something to raise the volume and conversation on what we could do to better protect young people, so they don't fall into homelessness and and uh, uh, and go the you know end up pushing a shopping cart like like I did. So I was on an airplane ride with my then partner, Dr. Sean Richardson, who's a premier sports psychologist, and uh, he was the one who suggested to me. He says, "Joe, he says, why don't you run across Canada?" I said, "Why don't Why don't you run across Canada?" <laughs> Cross, give what do you give your head a shake? But anyways, we kind of worked through the idea. He says, you know, Joe, he says, you you're a real passionate guy, and you got a wonderful story. And when you I he says, I've sat in the room and watched how you've transformed an audience and got them to see something that see the world differently. He says, What if you walked across Canada and did that in high school with government? And I said, so I said to him, I said, Well, how would it be different than other walks or runs? Because there's lots of walks or runs. He says, push a shopping cart. It's the symbol of chronic homelessness. It's the thing uh, that you're trying to avoid for, for every kid. And there was something about the idea, honestly, Sue, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. 
And so we put together a campaign. Uh, Marie uh, joined me in that campaign. And we slowly began building this thing. And, and finally, on the 1st of May 2016, I started a 17-month walk uh, nonstop, two Canadian summers, one Canadian winter. And so on my hardest days, I was a thousand. So, so for, for, for our American listeners, uh, in the middle of January and February, I was a thousand miles north of Minnesota. <laughs> walking over Lake Superior every single day, walking about 16 miles. And when it was done, I'd walked 5,625 miles across the second widest country on earth as a 49-year-old non-athlete. So when I talk to people about what's possible there's a few things that I've, there's a few little pebbles that I carry that remind me that oftentimes we stop short of what's possible. You don't, you know, you don't really know until you, until you push it that a little bit. And the experience we had was nothing short of remarkable. And it wasn't that I walked across Canada, it's that we got to engage over a hundred thousand kids. We got to speak to government officials. We, um, you know, we raised uh, uh, um, about a million uh, seven. Um, but the, the biggest piece was the, the community engagement, the support we had from police, first responders, government, high school students. I remember walking into Ontario and I'd been walking for five months and I hadn't seen a big audience. But by the time I, I was going from east to west, right? when I walked into Ontario, there was a crowd of about a thousand people waiting for me. And I remember coming down the bridge deck and my, I remember my heart, it was, you know, my heart, I was, I was feeling a lot of feelings. And I looked and the, the commissioner of the Ontario Provincial Police was there, but the greatest hockey dad in the world was waiting to, to, to welcome me into Ontario. It was Walter Gretzky. And of course, if you don't know who Walter Gretzky is, Walter Gretzky is the dad of Wayne Gretzky arguably one of the greatest hockey players. And he, he was there to shake my hand. And, you know, it, there was so many, there's so many wonderful days uh, where we got to engage and share that message. And, and when it was done, um, we had worked with our, our federal government in Canada um, and actually got to sit down with some of the policymakers. And two months after the campaign was over, they announced an $11 billion investment. And a number of the things that we were championing made it into that budget so we 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 exceeded anything that we could have imagined but wow. yeah it was a lot of fun yeah i can imagine it would be giving up <laughs> 17 months of your life this is great this is great now looking back joe what is one thing i mean this is just you know we're all taking this in right now and it's like oh, wow this man has really come a long way maybe much more than you know we can think it's possible but that's not really your message your message is anything is possible it is and but what is it the one thing that makes you smile at where you're at today what is the one thing well i'll tell you what there's a story within the story that uh, that I like to share, and I'll share I'll share it with you today. I don't normally do it when when I do uh, interviews and stuff like this, but 
when I was growing up in Ontario and I was in high school, I had a relationship with this, this gal. She was my high school sweetheart. And I would, I have to say, Sue, I was smitten. You know, it was my very first high school crush and she meant the world to me. But you have to remember, I was 16 years old and I was, I was on my way to, I was heading for a whole lot of trouble. And she sat me down one day and said, you know, Joe, I'm not going that direction. I want a family. I want a career. I want to go to school. And we broke up. And I remember my heart being broken. And um, anyways, I go on with my life and, you know, we, we know what happened. We, I got into even more trouble, which is she was probably the wiser of the two. 28 years later, I get an email. And ironically, this email comes in at a time in my life where I was finishing up uh, my first marriage. Now, I'd, I never planned on having a second one, but, you know, life is life, life's us. And that's where where I was. And anyways, we reconnected and we fell in love. And that gal is Marie, the one who helped coordinate and put all this together so that you and I could have a chat today. We reconnected after 28 years. Uh, we fell in love and we built the push for change together. And today we're a husband and wife speaker team. Um, I, I do the speaking, she does all the, all the other stuff. And, uh, so there's, there's this beautiful intertwined in the walk across Canada is this, is this beautiful love story. You know, we reconnected, we were at the same place in our, in our lives. We fell in love and just before the campaign lifted off, we made it official and got married. And that was, oh gosh, that was 12 years ago. So today, you know, that makes me smile. But the thing that, that both of us are passionate about is, is getting out in front of people with the time that I have left and trying to spread an epidemic of self-worth, try to spread a message of possibility to let people know, you know, we spent, you know, the tragedy of life isn't that it ends too soon. It's that we wait too long to begin it. We wander around our lives trying to become something we already are, perfect and ready and prepared for the task at hand. And sometimes just a little story is all it takes to spark and light that fire. And, you know, I love running into people, you know, five years after a conference and they say, oh, Joe, you won't believe it. I was going through a messy thing with a relationship or I was going through this health crisis or I was going through this leadership crisis. And I took that idea about you know, the model that you shared in the workshop. And I did this and I did this and this was my outcome. And I smile. They always give me the attaboy, but it's not my attaboy. They, they, they took it and ran with it. You know, that's, that stuff is, it's all I want to do with, with, with my time is, is to help people realize how remarkable they truly are. Sounds like a plan that we always have here at Remarkable as well. And I can't wait to meet Marie in person because when we connected, I truly know that she is one of the most efficient and right on person for you to have on your team. I mean, I didn't have to ask anything. She provided everything that I would ever need. And that is remarkable in itself that you have all that together that you're um successful together and i too look at that because my husband is my cfo and and we have that same relationship that that partnership so thank you for sharing that story that you don't normally do and in closing can you believe it it is time to close 
But tell us one last thing. What are you going to do today to be remarkable? Uh, my word of the year is, so yours is sore. Mine is reflect. So I want to ask myself for the next 365, what am I reflecting out in the world? And is it aligned with our goals? So wow. how can I spread that message of possibility? How can I serve clients? How can I be the best version of myself showing up? How can, you know, so, so that, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, I don't need to work and I haven't for over 20 years. I choose this because it's, it's the thing that fires me up more than anything in the whole world. It's going out and doing this work. You know, you talk a lot about, lead, you know, about serving, you know, servant leadership. And I, I love that because I think the greatest gift the leader can do is, is make more leaders and share ideas that help people move the ball down the field. So I would say, at any given day, it's like, what am I reflecting? Is my mindset right? Is my heart right? Are my steps and actions right? And if not, adjust it. Yeah. That's remarkable. That's exactly uh, a great, a great ending. But you'll be back. I know. <laughs> you certainly I'll, will. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. And to our audience here today. Our challenge for you is, what are you going to do today to be remarkable? Maybe you've heard something here today that will spark that, but we'd love to know. Put it in the chat. Give us a comment. However you need to connect with us, because we're all over, that you can get that message to us because it's important. It's important for us to know that. We'd love to hear that. And thanks so much for joining us today, Joe. You have really made our last weekend of 2023 exciting and we are ready to soar in 2024 because that's our word of the year at Remarkable. And you've given us all the basic how we can do that. So thank you for sharing. And to our audience out there, Joe is available. You need to contact us right away at our new website to make sure that you get Joe Roberts to your next event because he can truly bring an experience of a lifetime. Don't wait because he books quickly as you can see that. So we look forward to working with you and for you to make your events the best they can be. And everyone, we hope you will come back next week, next Friday, same time, same place on January 5th, where we will have our featured guest will be the Hall of Fame Innovation Keynote Speaker and 29, yes, 29 Emmy Award winner, Bill Staten. You won't want to miss his gift of laughter and high energy as he helps us soar in 2024. Then we also ask you and want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel because you never know. You, you want to make sure you don't miss an episode of our show. And you can go back and see all the previous episodes. And just in case you weren't taking notes today, as most of us are not, uh, you can see and hear again everything Joe mentioned and you won't miss a thing. So that is it. Also at our YouTube channel, 
you're going to see the videos of all the talent that we represent and book here at Remarkable. So you can see in advance how remarkable they are that you would want to make sure that you check them out. Now, in closing, at Remarkable, I just want to say this has been a remarkable year. We have accomplished so much and there's so much going forward that we are excited. But I just want to share that we're honored for the opportunity to partner with our many clients and potential clients because we can help create an experience of a lifetime for your clients and audiences. And we're excited and ready to do that. Now, we hope you will have a remarkable weekend celebrating in the new year. Oh, yes. And we will see you back here next Friday. Thanks again, Joe. We appreciate you so much. And Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks, Sue. Thank you, Lisa. You guys have a great new year. You too. You too.